Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm the host, and today I have with me two co-hosts. One is my lovely and beautiful significant other, Deborah <laughs> Mikus. Hello. And the other is the quiet, silent, but deadly John Lutzko. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. How's everybody doing? Um, we're doing great. And today we'll be interviewing... Deborah Clemens from Atlanta, Georgia, and she has started and founded Infusion Blends Butters. How are you doing today, Deborah? I'm doing just excellent, thank you. You're very welcome. And so, Deborah, tell us a little bit about you know your background, you know where you grew up, and how all of that led you to starting your own uh, entrepreneurial adventure. Oh, um, I actually grew up in a little town right outside of Philadelphia called Chester, Pennsylvania. And um, through all of my years of growing up and being around family, you know, food was always uh, the center point of everything, whether it was the center point of home and church and any kind of gatherings with friends and family. Uh, food always had something to do with it. So I have a, a genuine love of food. Um However, in my earlier career, I was in sales and marketing. I uh, worked for Tommy Hilfiger as a national sales director for Tommy Jeans out of New York. Uh, let's see, I've done marketing with uh, banks as a, as a director of a bank and um, locally in Delaware. And then um, I started to get into a little bit of the solar business, doing sales and marketing there too. So basically my background is sales and marketing, which lends a really great hand to what I'm doing now as a food entrepreneur, manufacturer, which um, all of my skill sets came from Google, <laughs> Google searches to figure out how to, how to do different things and meet different people. So um, I came to, to um, being, I started actually to write a cookbook. And then I decided that, you know, that really, you know, wasn't for me. But in the midst of that, um, I had a friend who was um, sick. She had cancer. And I used to cook for her and make her up these little, you know, meals that she could just pop into the oven or microwave and do for herself. And um, I always had this special blend of spices that I would do. And I got a little bit, you know, to make it a little bit easier for her, I just mixed everything together with the butter to put on her meat. And what happened was she called me up one day and started talking about how she's put it in her vegetables and put it in her pasta sauces. And she just kept coming with all these new and different ways that she was using this um, one-flavored butter. So then I went and put down the pen and started saying, maybe I might not make a, make a you know, write a cookbook. <laughs> I think I might want to manufacture these butters. And that's how I ended up starting doing that, just. Let everybody, you know, taste test them and eat them, and then they start wanting to pay for them. And I said, okay. So here we are today. It's an amazing story, and uh, so many people start off that way. It's like maybe going in one direction or another, and then there's something that really sticks. And, uh, you know, that's the story of the butter. So tell us, Deborah, where we can find your products and how people can order them, and then the different flavors that you have. Sure. Um, you can order online at um, Infusion Blends, that's what a S B L E N D S dot com, and I have an online store there. And uh, we do have uh, local stores in Atlanta, Kroger's, that actually carries the product. 
in their dairy section or in their naturalism section because it is an all-natural, um, hormone-free, artificial flavor and preservative-free product. And so, okay, let's let's go back to, um, so you decided to start this Infusion Blends Butter Company. And, you know, what has the journey been like since you've started it? Because, I mean, you decide you're going to go to market with it. You decide you're going to take it, you know, out there. So now let's talk about how did you get from today where you are in grocery stores from when you started? What were some of the, the things that you came across? How did you go about you know, packaging the butter and finding packaging. I mean, there's so much there and content um, Mm -hmm. when you start a business. So how did you go through all of that? Well, um, I I will have to say it it was a uh, a excruciating journey, but there's nothing in it that I would not do over because either it was a learning experience um, and it helped me to, you know, become a better um, entrepreneur but uh, actually, I started out, I was already working a job. I used to work with Comcast. And um, every single week, I would just take money out of my paycheck just to, you know, further push the company because I didn't have, you know, big money funding. And um, what I would do, like I made one week, one paycheck, I might just, you know, I got my, my um, post office box. Another week, I might have done the, you know, the nutritional fact panels. Another week. You know, put aside the money to get designed for the labels and things like that. So, you know, fully, you know, self-funded, little bit by little. Um, so, you know, you can never say that, oh, I never had the money to do it. You know, sometimes you just got to take, you know, little chunks out of it to, to get you to be, you know, to moving forward. As far as the packaging is concerned, I'm always one to believe that people look at something and it entices them. You know, so whatever your package looks like, it has to look inviting. And I'm, I'm a lifestyle type of person. You know, I like things that look nice and are pretty. And um, they may not always be practical, but they look nice and they're pretty. And that attracts me to buy something. So I would go to my favorite stores where I thought that they were just beautiful packaging and just would just walk around and look at how different things were packaged. Um, um, my number one store was Williams Sonoma. I used to go there all the time and look at how the packagings were different for different products, you know, looked and what they did. And so I started to get a feel for what I wanted my butters to, you know, to, to feel like when you look at it. You know, you, I want to feel, you know, warmth and um, contemporary, um, but yet, you know, old like fashion, like, you know, back in the day, but with a twist. So um, I got onto um, the internet and Googled, you know, design and product label design. And there's this website called um, <clears throat> 99Design. And 99Design does a, uh, a campaign where you tell them about your product and what it looks like, what you think it should look like. And it goes out to hundreds and hundreds of designers and they compete. And I got, you know, a lot of different designers come back with their with their um their version of what I was trying to do. And it's just a gentleman from Australia, actually, um, won. <laughs> That's so cool. Wait, and so all these, so you basically put the in, the information out there, and then they all come back to you, or whoever is interested in participating, they come back to you with different branding, marketing, whatever it is you're asking for, and then you can go through and ultimately select. And then if you select, you then work with that person. Is that what you did? 
Yes. Mm -hmm. That's such a cool process. I mean, that's, I mean, what a great way too for a startup company that's probably has limited resources and whatnot to be able to, you know, get the expertise of other people. And also for other people who are trying to become, you know, to have clients in their own industry for them to be able to compete for it without it probably having to be too big of an investment for them either. So I never right. heard of that. That's a great platform that exists. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's really good because it wasn't that expensive. I think it was $400. Right. And if they didn't, if nobody came back with anything that you wanted, you know, you didn't lose your money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, and that's how it works until, you know, they get chosen. And they come back with, you know, some really, you know, great designs. And, and like I say, you just really, you're giving them, you know, a list of adjectives when it comes to your <laughs> product. You, you know, you know, and I just list adjectives and how this is supposed to feel and, you know, it looks like this. And they can take it and run with it. And then you just sit back and wait and choose which one is, you know, perfect for your product. Right. So Makes how many came back world. to you? Um, I ended up getting about 15. Uh-huh. That's a nice selection to pick from. Yeah, it was a really good selection to pick from. Um, but there's this, this is the one gentleman from, Austra- um, from Australia just stood out. It was just like perfect. It, it hit exactly where I wanted it to be. So um, so is he now was, your guy and who does helps you with that on a regular basis? or? Basically? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I, 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 don't, I haven't used them again uh so i've been you know i've been using other designers that play off of that right for different things you know i mean for and 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 also has to do with you know pricing whether or not the person is going to be able to do what i need to get done or i do myself i I do a lot of it myself right typical startup company right you kind of have to do a lot yourself yeah until you're you know are a big company a lot of things that's as an entrepreneur we wear so many different hats and Mm -hmm. so so with that being said, I mean, obviously you're coming from a sales and a marketing background. Is that your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Or now that you're doing everything, have you found a new passion or a new part that you really love? The part that I really love, I mean, sales and marketing just with, you know, it's in my DNA. It's what I do. So, you know, if you, if you are someone who's good with going out and doing cold calls to get your product out there in front of people, it, it, it's a huge advantage right. um, to be, your own, be able to be your own sales rep. Um, but the part that I love the best is actually coming up with new and different flavors. Ah, so what are your flavors? Let's tell the audience what flavors you have and maybe if you have any new ones that you're kind of contemplating about bringing to market. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the original line is rosemary, which we call amazing rosemary because as soon as you would taste it, everybody's always like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and um, then I have Cajun Delight, which is a, it's a Cajun butter. We have um, blueberry, all, oh my blueberry. And we have peach, which is called perfectly peachy. And then those are the original line. Um, recently I was on QVC and uh, sold our butters out on QVC in five minutes, did over 10,000 jars. Wow. And in it, they, they chose to pick two from my original line, which is the rosemary and the peach. And then I, they wanted to have something that was exclusively, you can't buy this anywhere else other than QVC. So I came up with two additional flavors for a four-pack, and that was apple cinnamon and smoked garlic. 
Those both sound, they all sound amazing. So I want to ask you about QVC, but before we do that, since we're talking about your flavors and whatnot, I really would like to know, like maybe tell the audience some of the uses. I mean, I'm obviously imagining, you know, you could put some over a protein or maybe on a piece of toast, but I'm sure you have a million ideas, seeing as though food is your passion and you really love doing that. What are other ways that people use these butters? Well, basically... Um, if you could put butter on it, you can you can use our butter. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, it just it pretty much sums it all up. Uh, but to be a little bit more specific, it, they're, they're excellent for cooking um, and spreading. Um, and, and, and the beauty of them is that all the flavor, seasoning, herbs, spices, even down to salt and pepper, are in the butter. So we intrinsically infuse um, a spice mix that goes into the butter. So you don't have to use any other seasoning to your food, not even salt. So... Um, what I end up doing is using these flavors to go with anything, uh, pasta, rice, potatoes. Um, it goes into oatmeal, it goes into, uh, you know, baking, grilling, sauteing, um, broiling. It's, it, it works in any of those applications in any type of food, especially on chicken and turkey, mm. um, it's it's just it's just amazing, and the wonderful thing about it is, that no matter how you use it, it never tastes exactly the same. So you can't put it into, um, say, add it into your favorite recipe for, <clears throat> excuse me, um, pasta sauce, and it'll taste the exact same as as your rice or right. as, as if your chicken. It'll always taste different. Um, that's that's really wonderful. And then it's the combination. Like I'll take the three parts of the peach butter and one part of the Cajun and mix it together and do it on chicken, the flavor is just unbelievable. And you would never think oh about my, that. Right. Um, you know, I, I'll take the peach and I'll saute uh, red and white cabbage with it. Awesome. <laughs> so you can do different combinations that, you know, brings in a whole new, new gourmet taste to your food. And when I say gourmet, it'll taste like uh, a chef in a restaurant made it. And you're not a chef. Right. So do you, so with, considering you were contemplating starting a cookbook and it, you have all these amazing ideas of different ways to use the butter, do you ever, um, you know, put suggested recipes on your packaging or in with the box when people order it, or is it on a website? Do you have other ways that where you give ideas? Cause like how you just mentioned, you know, different right. recipe ideas. Do you put that out to your customers? Well, right now you can go on to our website and you'll get recipes there. Um, also on YouTube, Infusion Blends, and you'll get recipes and you'll you know be able to get video um, direction on how to to use the butters. We are actually doing um, kind of revamping our online, where when you when you actually order, you'll you'll, you'll get a you know like a little recipe book that goes with that. So that's going to be coming soon in the next you know few weeks. So when you order online, you'll get a recipe book. But you can go directly to our website and get the recipe. So you did end up writing a recipe book after all of that anyway. Ah, you know what? Now that you mention it and you put it to me that way, yes, I did. <laughs> Killed two birds oh with God. one stone. <laughs> yes, I did. I, I, you're absolutely right. I got a couple of um, chefs to, to, you know, in their their um, recipe to the book, but most of them were were, were, were mine. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought about that. And that's amazing. So is there any future flavors that you're thinking about or, or that you have up your sleeve that you want to let us know about um, or any secrets that you oh, have coming? Yes. 
<laughs> yes, I've got, got a, um, a bourbon and a teriyaki coming. Yum. And um, I'm trying to contemplate doing something and for the holidays with either a pumpkin or sweet potato, cranberry, something like that. Uh, so I got a couple of them that are, you know, really about just to go online right now. But I have, you know, a mind full of other ones in my head that I haven't, you know, that experimented with, but they're in different development stages. But those are the ones that are getting ready to come out soon. Oh, that's amazing. I think that's such a great idea to have your holiday specials. And like you said, uh, the ones that matter that match the holidays. I think you said pumpkin spice, although I could just be thinking of holidays and pumpkin spice because I like it so much. But I think just Christmas and Thanksgiving, there's just so much opportunity there to specialize certain brands or certain flavors, excuse me, and and really capitalize on it. Yes. And, I, you know, I, I forgot to mention this, but I also do private label for um, a company called Savannah Bee Company, and I do a line of um, honey butter Ooh. for them. And we actually have yes, uh, Savannah Bee, don't we, in uh, Boulder, Colorado, I believe, so small. Um, I, shipped, I shipped them. I Boulder, got, they Boulder got the product. I think they probably need some more, but yes, <laughs> Boulder had the product. Mm-hmm. It's four different flavors. There's a Tupelo, garlic, um, a spicy one with the black sage, and it's called Bay- um, Bayou, black sage bayou. And then we have one that's a wildflower curry and acacia, I'm sorry, acacia curry and wildflower ginger. And they are amazing. So are you infusing the, uh, their honey then into basically your butter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm like picturing the, you know, biscuits little, right now with added, that on it. <laughs> yeah, well, with a little bit of added flavor in there, too. Mm-hmm. I've I, I never do butter that's just that one flavor, like, oh, we're going to do a garlic butter. So you just have butter and garlic. Mm-hmm. That's just boring. And it's not really <laughs> going to to lend a lot of interest or depth to it. So I always have, a, a, a you know, several different ingredients that'll have a, you know, add a, a twist to the flavor that makes it different, you know. And, and, right. and I, I know one time people were saying, oh, you have truffle butter out there. And I'm like, why would I make a truffle butter? Do you know what to do with truffle butter? Does anything come to mind when you say truffle butter? Oh, I can put it on this. No. <laughs> you know, I like to come up with flavors that people can identify with easily. And if I say to you, oh, I just made a peach butter, and you go, oh, I can see that on toast. Oh, I could put that on my, I could put that on my, and, you know, right. and it makes it your own. Right. You know, I had a couple, I mean, I, when I started out, after I finally got everything together and ready to, you know, sell to the public, you know, I started out in the farmer's market. And I would got my little tent and set up in the farmer's market to sell my butter. And people would come back the next week and say, I bought your butter last week and I did this with it and I did that with it. So a lot of my recipes came from, you know, my customers who told me what they did with it. Oh, that's you know, fun. oh, I use your peach butter and and I and I, I bake the ham with it and I fry my bacon with it. And I'm like, wow. So <laughs> you know, uh, it, you 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 identify with the butter as soon as you taste it, and then you come up with your own recipes and do what you think is fun, right? Which I love instead of me telling you what to do with it. And we have this awesome bacon we get here. It's a, what is it, a jalapeno hickory bacon or something? 
I don't I, even know it has yeah. jalapeno, but when you said that and using the butter and the bacon, I thought about like a jalapeno uh, butter or, or something like that. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. mind goes crazy. They're like, oh, what could I do with it? Yeah, somebody asked me over the weekend, could I make a jerk-flavored butter? I'm like, yeah, sure I could. <laughs> <laughs> like pretty much anything, yeah. So you mentioned yeah. that you had a variety of ones that are in different stages of development. So what is your process of bringing a pro- uh, product to market and you know, obviously you have to start by thinking it up, but what are kind of some of the stages you need to take it through? Well, I'll give you an example with the honey butters. Um, They sent me their honey and I tasted the honey and I just thought, what would this go with? You know, what does this taste like? And and it's kind of hard. I think it's just something innate, but you know, I I tasted and and I said, oh, I could put this with it. I could put that with it. And I just started playing it around um, with the mix. And then, you know, you start figuring out what, you know, what, what combinations taste good and you go with it. I mean, I, I used to watch a lot of food TV network, you know. Right. You know, and, um, and I used to watch all the different chefs and the different flavors and things that they would put together. Right. And so you, you, you really end up learning a lot about, you know, what goes with what. But it's usually what your, your palate when you start thinking about, you know, what goes with it. And then, you know, you just start thinking some unusual you know, combinations. Um, you know, I mean, I'll say this because it's on, you know, on my label and I have to divulge it on my um, ingredient list, but my peach butter has amaretta in it. Mmm, that's yummy. And Yeah, but you would never think right, of necessarily. that would be an ingredient. You know, and just like um, the, the honey butters, um, the uh, acacia has curry powder in it. It has more than curry powder in it, but it has curry powder in it. And then you got to figure out, well, how much do you put in it to... So you play around with it until you get something that you taste and go, oh, my God, that tastes good. Right. So when you're picking your ingredients and stuff, I mean, are you using both dehydrated and fresh? Or how do you or do you only go one direction? Um, I just go in one direction, and that's because of shelf life. Okay. Because when you go out to stores and, and everything, you know, the biggest thing when you go to, you know, you're trying to be getting into a retailer is the laundry can sit on their shelf the better for you. <laughs> and um, a lot of times when you use um, fresh ingredients, the, the shelf life, you know, time is, is very, very short. Right. So like if you're using short, time or something, you would use a dehydrated leaf versus using a fresh leaf. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Fr- fresh is not, not going to be shelf stable long enough. Right. So, um, okay, so with your background in sales and marketing, I wanted to get back into that. And you mentioned QVC, um, and you mentioned being in Kroger. So you go from being doing this kind of part-time, taking portions of your paycheck. Well, one, have you gone, and is this your full-time job now? Yes, it is my full-time job now. Um, it is. It has been now for the past year and a half. And, um, it, and you know, I have to say, especially, to still, you know, not receiving lump sums of investment money uh, because going into food business is quite expensive. And, you know, between the regulations federally and state and local, um, there's a lot that goes into it that I've learned. And um, it's it's still all about, you know, going out and doing what you can do to, to make it happen. And I, anybody who has a food product, I recommend highly to get into your local farmer's market 
especially the ones that are very popular, because then it becomes word of mouth. I mean, I, I was um, written up in Georgia Magazine, as well as the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper, or, you know, our major newspaper here in Atlanta. And I got there because someone, one of the, the writers came to the farmer's market looking for new products to talk about, and they came and found my product and loved it. So you get great exposure in farmer's markets because a lot of people go there. It's a big thing here in Georgia going out and buying fresh and and going use and supporting local farmer's market. But I got a lot of um, customers that way, word of mouth that way, and been able to get exposure in, you know, magazines and newspapers are awesome. So being at that farmer's market, even if you can do multiple ones at the same time, it's the best thing, the best thing. I would do that all over again. Are you still in farmer's markets? Is that still a way that you get your product out there and get to get responses from your clients face-to-face? Do you still participate in those? Yeah. In the, well, see, um, I, I still am running things by myself, so to speak, a, a little bit. I have more help now, um, but um, I don't do the farmer's market every Saturday. I'll do special events, and in the summer when um, the the um, students are out of school, I'll hire them to go do farmer's markets. Oh, that's a good idea. So I, w- I want to talk more. So you're saying when you first started, you personally went and did the farmer's markets. Now you outsource that oh, a little yeah. bit just because your time is limited and you're, you're basically mm-hmm. one person while you have some help. But what are some other things you have done to get your product in to stores or to sell on the internet or what are some of the tactics you, you've used seeing as though you co- you're coming from a sales and marketing background? Finding the decision maker and getting to them or knowing people who may know a decision maker to get them to get to them on your behalf. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is getting, getting out there and putting your product in their hands and saying, taste it. Uh, my very first store that brought on my, um, that brought in the um, butter was a, a store here in Peachtree City called Bloom Organics. And before I actually went out in market, I went to them and said, this is what I'm doing. You know, if, would you put this in your store? And if so, you know, if not, what would I need to do so that you would put it into your store? And they told me. They gave me the list of things I needed to do and they needed to have. And I left, came back, got it done brought it back to them, they're like, wow, you actually did it, and they brought it into their store. So, you know, you need to, you know, um, do due diligence and, and your homework on who it is that you want to get to. Like for example, Kroger has a local program, and they love buying locally. So go to your local Kroger, find out who the person who takes care of, like, you know, you know the local program, and, and, and find out who that buyer is. Find out the name because they'll give you names of people and even their email addresses. And then you just hunt them down and you just keep <laughs> hunting them until, you know, they respond to you. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I mean, and, that, and that's a lot of just, just, you know, consistency of, you know, responding to people. And when you do it at first, I will guarantee you, you will make tons of mistakes. They'd be costly, but you just got to keep, you know, you know, pressing until you can make your way. And, you know, even now today, I'm still pressing, you know, to make my way. You know, so you're on QVC. That sounds really great. But there's a whole lot that comes with going from the farmer's market to the, you know, you know, producing 10,000 jars of your butter and, um, you know, the different things that you learn along the way. 
but I just keep pressing through because, you know, I know I have a really great product. It's um, something that everybody can use. And even people who, you know, say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't do butter secretly do eat butter. (laughs) I love butter. It's like my favorite ingredient. I say bread is purely exists because it's a vehicle for butter. So anyone who knows me pretty much knows that about me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, all your people who love all these different chefs on TV, when they go and they start cooking and they start using, you never hear them say, oh, margin or, you know, <laughs> right. cheap butter. They say butter, yeah. really good butter. And so, you know, it's, like I said, whether you, you, you admit to loving butter or you don't, it's a, it's a product that's very universal and it's very good, you know, and when I say good for you, too, and people, you know, butter has the stigma sometimes of, oh, you're going to clog your arteries, and, you know, everything is in moderation, of course. And um, the the butter that I use is a very high-end butter, like, you know, similar to what your Kerrygold's are like. You know, it's, you know, hormone-free, and all the ingredients you put in is not putting in a whole bunch of junk that you can't even pronounce when you read the label. Agreed. Um, yeah, so... So it's it's better for you. Let's put it that way. Um, the butter, my butters, my fusion blend butters are better for you, and because it's intense in flavor, a little bit goes a long way. You don't use a whole lot. The, the emphasis is more on the um, spices and ingredients and the fresh fruits that go into it, as opposed to the um, the butter itself. Which brings me to I said fresh fruits. The reason why I use fresh fruits because they're better for you, but we, you know, have a process by which it'll extend the shelf life so it doesn't, you know, go bad quickly. And it's still a natural way of doing it. Right. Um, okay, so I wanted to ask you too. So you mentioned Kroger and you've also mentioned QVC. So one question pertaining to Kroger is when you get in, is that typically like, are they making a decision when you're talking about going and talking to the person who's making the decision about local products? Are they making a decision purely for that store or is that a re- a regional decision? And, you know, what kind of volumes, like, do you have to, what level do you have to be at to kind of be broaching that topic? Well, first of all, um, you need to, to definitely follow the guidelines of, you know, and, you, and they'll give you that on the website there or the person you talk to as to what your setup has to be. You know, you have to be in a commercial kitchen setting. You can't be doing it out of, out of you know, the back of your car or in your house. <laughs> um, you, you have to have all your licenses and your insurance in place. And, and that particular buyer, nine times out of ten, has control over, a number of stores, it might be 50 stores or more, but they want you to succeed. So they'll start you out in, you know, only a couple of stores. Like they started me out in two stores and I think now we're up to seven stores. And so they'll help you along the way so that you're successful. Right. Well, and I would imagine for them, they want you to be in as many stores as possible because that's just, you know, they have X number of feet of square, of shelf space and it's a lot easier to manage less clients than more clients all, as much as they want right. you know diversity in right. their product but, line yeah but you know they have their own structure of local and then it's the corporate end and you know getting into their planogram as opposed to being to fit in wherever they have space so there's a lot of politics that goes along with it but once you get in you'll navigate those waters it's getting in so getting in on the local level is fine because see you don't want to get in and say okay i'm going to go from zero stores to 50 
you and you don't have the ability to keep up with the product, you don't have the ability to, um, you know, keep up with doing demos because they do require that you do demos in their stores. And so, you know, you, you, you'll go nuts if you don't have the infrastructure to support it. So, you know, the best way is to get in and, you know, grow it, you know, just grow it over time. And another way to get in is that, you know, their distributor, you know, um, um, the distributor that I use is Gourmet Food International. Uh, they're always looking for new products to go to them to introduce to them. So you can go that route, too, by reaching out to a local distributor, getting on their list of ingredients that they carry. And then not only do you um, have access to Kroger's, you'd have access to all their other customers, too, that they'll help you buy into, or help them you know, to get your product into. Well, it sounds like they're very helpful once you get in. The trick is, is getting in. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about this process with the whole, with being on QVC and what that was all about. And before you answer that, I have two things before we dive into that. One is it's, uh, and we talk about it on this podcast, I mean, literally to get into the Kroger's and stuff, it sounds like it's the 9,999 hours before you hit the 10,000 hour to finally get in the door because all the legwork's just trying to get recognized and get on someone's radar and trying to trying to get your product into someone's mouth so they like it, so they bring it into the stores. Is, would, is that what you're saying there, uh, Deborah? Mm-hmm, yeah. And then the other part I like about your product is, um, you know, instead of having to carry like cupboards full of spices and ingredients and all that stuff, everything just comes right in the butter. So you're cooking basically um, right with the butter or baking right with the butter with all the flavoring spices, seasonings already in, in it. So it's just such a time saver. And I feel like People have spices that have been in their cabinets for like 20 years. I mean, I think Deborah and I still go through the cabinet and find something that's like 15 <laughs> years old and uh, Deborah Micus. And it's um, it's kind of crazy because you rarely do you ever use the entire spice thing. I mean, there's are certain go-tos that we use all the time, but then there's the ones that kind of just sit there forever. And so I love mm-hmm. the concept of just having it all together and using it because everyone uses butter to cook. Uh, at least they should. And, um, you know, and people use oils and other things like that. But when you use butter and everything's already in it, you're, you get to use, you know, the right amount of seasoning with the right amount of butter with the product that you're mm-hmm. cooking. And so I love that concept. So I didn't mean to interrupt Deborah Micus, but. Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But it takes the guesswork out of it all. And, and um, you know, if you're a novice cook or, you know, you you in college and you you know you you're just trying to throw something together or even if you have leftovers that you want to spice up a bit um the butter works it works each and every time and and that was the whole concept of it being able to you know not use a lot of different spices and be able to use one spice and use it differently all the time and taste differently all the time so you're going to get you know more use out of it and um just a bit on that packaging um as you know my butter comes in glass jars. And I was like, why would you put it in a glass jar? Well, first of all, glass jars will last a lot longer. You can freeze it, you can put it in your refrigerator, and it's going to last longer. And, but my real reason for doing it in a jar is that I absolutely positively hate to unwrap butter, and then you've got to take a piece of it out, and you wrap it back up, and it never wraps up back the same, and it's just messy. <laughs> and I, I can 
to open a jar, I can, you know, pull out how much as I want, put the top back on, and it's, and it's not messy. So, you know. <laughs> I love that idea, too, because I'll tell you, I feel like a lot of times if you just take your butter stick and you, you know, cut a little piece off and then you leave it in the fridge, I really think it absorbs other flavors and, and uh, scent yeah. as well. And so I can, I can imagine putting a lid on it is a great idea. Deborah C., don't let yeah, Deborah M. fool you. She eats a whole stick of butter every two days. It doesn't last in our fridge very long. I try not to eat too much um, bread because it, it, my butter is about twice as much as my bread, so I really try to limit it. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, you know, a lot of people recycle the jars, and they, you know, they do think put pins in or, or you know, use it down, down the jars recyclable because it's a pretty jar, so people keep them. Right, for sure. And so I guess we'll get back to the other question is, is sort of tell us about the QVC adventure. I mean, how did you get involved in that and then your journey all the way through to being on QVC? Oh, wow. That was, that was a heck of a journey. So about nine months in the making, um, I was introduced to um, a gentleman who um, worked for a company called EMA and um, they actually, he actually used to work for QVC for like 25 years, bringing in, you know, products for them. And so um, he started his own company, and um, he actually is the, the, the point person who got everything into QVC. First, you know, he evaluates it, and he says, well, this is something that they would like because he knows what they like. And, um, and then he just took the product into them and came back with they love it. And, you know, help put the deal together. So <clears throat> that's how, you know, we ended up getting on QVC. And it is a process. I mean, these guys are thorough. They um, they know their customer extremely well. And even when you become a guest, like I was a guest, and I came in to, you know, be there when they were selling my product and talking about it with the host, they teach you exactly, and they send you through a class so that you can, <laughs> you know, learn how to be on their program, and to pitch your product their way to their audience. And I tell you, it's very effective. Um, so you and, and literally they, were on, on QVC, not just your product. Yes. Like you, they, you mm -hmm, got up yep. there. And so did they ask you to talk about your story, or what all did you do while you were on the show? Well, you know what, passed so fast, I don't remember. But <laughs> <laughs> I got on there, and the host did a lot of the talking, because they don't want you to, to talk about price and things like that. They just want you to be the product knowledge person. Right. So I was, a, I mean, and who else knows your product better than you? Right. So, you know, I just got to talk about my product and how it worked, and, um, you know, we got to demonstrate, you know, some of they were taste testing it. And I, I was literally on there for five minutes before, you know, it was over. Um, I think before, I, and, 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 um, and, you know, we had, you know, John, John Letso was there too. <laughs> and <laughs> we might get John the, to actually the, talk here in a minute. Cause we're getting to a topic that he was, you know, is knowledgeable about. <laughs> yeah, he was in the, he was in the green room when I was on the set. So he could tell you what was happening in the green room when I was in the set. <laughs> right. Well, we'll get to him in a second. But so did they tell you, like, look at this camera? Or, like, how did you know where to be focused? Or did they, is that what the class was? They had to teach you all of that? Yeah, yeah. They teach you which one to look at and what, you know, what, you know the one with the red button on it. And there's no one there in the audience. It's just the camera and, and right. you and, you know, people milling around. But, um, you know, they, 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 you just 
then you do get taught. You know, you we right. went through a class where I actually, you know, you did, um, you got up and you talked about your product and then they taped you and then they went over it with you and they showed you. Oh, that's cool. So it wasn't just like one, two, three, go. Like they gave you the knowledge and then they put you on camera. They actually like let you practice and videoed you so you could see yourself and, oh, that's cool. Were you intimidated? I think I'd be really nervous. Mm -mm, No. And I think because of the preparation that they did before, I mean, you had a classroom environment and then you went actually on the set and you first did it by yourself and then you did it twice with a host there with you right. and they videotaped it and they took you to a room and said, okay, let's go over what you just did. And they taught, they pointed out all the things that you did right and things that you could improve on. And they said, okay, now let's go back and do it again. And we go out and do it again and <laughs> you come back and compare the two. So it's, it's very thorough. Right. It's very thorough. So you were comfortable. You were like going out there and as much as it's a new thing, you'd kind of already done it. And so, and you're right. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, I think a lot of times being scared is, it's the unknown, right? But so when you kind of settle in and know what exactly you're going to be facing and know what the cameras look like and the setup and probably takes a lot of that nervousness away. And you don't think about it because they want you to have like, like if you're talking to a friend or talking to, you know, somebody over your backyard fence. So it's not where you're doing a sales pitch to people. It's where you're just talking about your product, which I was always easy to do because at the farmer's market, that's what you have to do. You know, you sit there and you talk about your product to the person standing in front of you. Um, so, you know, they would buy it. Right. And, um, so it's just, you know, the same thing. You're just sitting there talking about it. So I think what makes it easier that there's not like a, a audience that's sitting there looking right. at you, you know, it's just, you know, the crew, the cameras and the hosts that are there. So, and, and they make it more comfortable by, you know, just saying, having a conversation. Right. And so did you know the people you were talking to? Had you talked with them before or were they new people no. and you role played with other people? No, no, no. They were new people. I just met them right. that day that I got there. Yeah. But, but I guess that's not scary. We meet people every day, right? So talking to someone yeah, else I mean, about the same thing, right? I think what are you talking about? We <laughs> get on this podcast and talk to people we don't know all the time. I guess that's true, but we don't right. have a camera in our face. No, thank goodness. Like the, <laughs> the camera kind of changes everything. Yeah, the audio is one thing. Like being on a camera, I, you should right. see me freeze on camera. Like I could speak in front of 300 people, but the moment I see that red light go on, it's like I'm, up, I'm frozen. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of, it's paranoia, okay. I guess. I well, I got, I got a remedy for that. Yeah? What's that? Don't look at the red light. <laughs> yeah. uh, brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. And I really, uh, I know John's on and he's been very quiet, but one of the things I loved about your QVC adventure, Deborah, was that he literally texted everyone and he's like, okay, we're going live right now. And so everyone's like, okay, we're going live. And literally everyone's probably like flipping through the channels trying to get to QVC. And before we can even find the channel for QVC, he's like, okay, we're sold out. And we're like, <laughs> what happened? We're like, wait, what? What just happened? Did we miss something? Is the text all messed up? And so, I mean, John, tell us a little bit about what it was like being behind the scenes at QVC. And I I know we want to focus on Deborah, but I want to know what it was like behind the scenes and the whole venture. And I believe you were in the quote unquote green room. So. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very interesting experience. It was so you show up at QVC and it's, you know, obviously a huge operation to have there. So it's, it's a little bit intimidating going in there, you, you know, go through their, um, their offices and their studio to get into the studio and the green room. And there's a lot of commotion going on in there. People running around presenters and, or guests as they call them. Uh, so everyone that's, you know, debuting their products or 
some of them are people that have been there a bunch of times. So they're, you know, they're the calm ones. You can kind of tell <laughs> they're just sitting and waiting for their right. turn. They've done it before. So, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, um, you know, so you sit in the green room and they have TV so you can watch what's going on on the stage while they're recording. And it is QVC is live. So there's a very short delay. Um, so you can see on another TV, you know, how they're setting up the shots and getting ready for when they go to the next picture, the next shot of the butter or the next shot of Deborah or, or the next shot of the, what they're putting the butter on or, or whatever they're doing next. So that's pretty interesting too. You can watch, you can watch them get ready before you see it on the live TV. Right. Um, so that was also interesting, but I think, for me, the, I guess, most exciting part of it was when they have computers in there where you can see everything that's going on in, in basically real time. So you can watch the the call volumes in their call centers and the, the sales as they come in and the inventory and the dollars per minute that you've sold. And that's all right there in front of you. So it's it's very, for the people in the green room, it's very interactive and very informative. So you can really watch how your product is doing. And they look at like for the call center, you can see what things they're talking about that all the calls. You can watch them actually spike as they're talking about certain things. Right. So then the host and the guests know to kind of, Hey, this is what is, is helping us sell. So let's focus on that topic. Let's focus on that, that shot. Let's focus on uh, that story or whatever it is. And you know, that's something really cool that they do as well. And you can see all that just sitting right there in the green room. And Deborah, can you see any of that happening? Like, can you see what's happening with sales or, or you're just responding to the person in front of you? No, I'm just responding to the person in front of me. I have no idea what's going on. So you didn't know any of it until they closed, until they said that's the end cut or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You have earpieces in and you're supposed to be able to hear people, but I didn't hear them, you know, talking. So when the host said, oh, we're all sold out, I was just as surprised as everybody else was. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, we, we are? Really? Seriously? <laughs> and like, oh, okay. Okay. And, and it's like, okay, thank you so much. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. congratulations on one that, hand. That no, go ahead. No, it's just because so one of the other things that kind of happens in the green room is, again, like I said, a lot of the people there have been there, they're there often, they're regulars on the show and things like that. So, you know, but everybody watches what everybody else's products are doing because it's, you know, it's interesting. So it was funny where we hit a point in the inventory, remaining inventory was, I don't know, let's say it was 500 cases or whatever. And it was funny. Everybody in the green room was like, oh, she sold out. I'm like, well, there's still 500 left. They're like, no, nah, she's done. And then within like 10 seconds, those 500 were gone. Oh my <laughs> God, like, in wow. 10 seconds. That's insane. It was just funny how every everybody knew you know, they know what to watch for and they know these people that do this all the time that are in that green room, they, they know, and they could tell they were all saying, you know, even before she was again, two minutes, two and a half minutes in, they're saying, yep, she's going to sell out. And they, and they were right. Five minutes later, it was done. Or, That's or two minutes later after that, it was done. So Deborah, will you have the opportunity to do that again? I mean, John's repeating, saying that there are repeat people in there. So are you going to have mm-hmm. the opportunity to do it again? Yes, I'm actually waiting to to find out, you know, when um, I'll be able to go back on and be aired again. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, a lot of people that I met had been there for like 10, 15, 20 years. Really? So That's it was cool. like, it was really good that I sold out because, you know, so quickly and, and even that the waiting list, you know, we still had, you know, another, 
you know, close to 300 orders of people just on their waiting list after we sold out because they were still purchasing. Um, so, you know, the, the numbers look really good. So we're just waiting for the analytics to come back and then they can say, okay, this is where we're going to put you at again. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to go too far into QVC, but I do have like a generic interest. So, I mean, you were like a five minute slot. I mean, QVC, is it running 24 seven? Or yes, they run twenty four seven. So I mean, if people are they have kind no of no commercials, they have their own commercials. They don't, you oh, know, twenty four seven QVC. Because if it's live, I mean, so they're probably doing infomercials that are pre recorded or something in the middle of the night or something. Is that how that works? I mean, I'm just thinking that's so well, many. Well, products. think about it. And normally, you run a show in the advertising segments or how you pay the money for that show, except. They're paying for the show literally every second the show's playing. So 24 hours a day, they're generating revenue. It's a brilliant concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's without the bricks and mortar of a store. Although they have a big studio. I mean, how many different studio sets were there? Do you guys even know? How many studio sets are there? Because I'm imagining, like, when you finish, it's not like someone else rolls right on. It's like... um, well, where, where I was, it's like just one big studio set, right? but they're divided into different, so you can walk, you know, you know, Sissé is a big room, uh-huh. and they're divided in separate sections, so you can just walk from one section to the other to get to the next one, Right. and the setup is already there, so while the camera's on this one, and, you know, they're fixing stuff up over the other side, so it's, you don't, you know, have to, that's why when you ever watch them and you see all of a sudden another host just kind of come in the frame. Right. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have told them of my fear of a camera. I could have been, based on how awesome our podcast is, I could have been a QVC host. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I hear those jobs are hard to get, man. I uh, would yeah, think I gotta so. I got to imagine. Okay, so really important question. Um, how did you know what to wear? Because I would be like, well, they tell you, they do in the class. Yeah, in they the class, do. They tell you, you know, what to what to wear and you know, what colors to avoid. I mean, they go through everything. I'm so impressed with with their operation. Um, they're they're they are they've got this down to a science. I got to tell you. So now that you've been on QVC and you got some great attention from that, I mean, are you seeing a ripple effect not just from the sales of QVC, but maybe interest from other companies? Yes, I'm getting interest from other companies, um, and and even you know, um, you know, my new plan for my website, which you know we want to do. I want to be able to, you know, get on to more um, television, you know, like morning shows and cook shows and podcasts and do demos and things. So then that way, you know, people can come to the website and you know and see, look, and buy. Um, that's what I really want to do. And so, you know, that just kind of gives me, you know, a lot of experience on, you know, how important it is just being in front of people. Because at first I thought, well, you got to taste it to really, you know, get an understanding and want to buy it. But (laughs) I've learned that being on television in front of people, um, you know, in an audience like that, and you talking about your product or you may have some, you know, some endorsements from people who, you know, are, are notable and have a good following, that translates to sales for you. And I, I love that because I think it is so important in today's day and age. And we talk about, we've started talking about this on the podcast quite a bit is how important it is for people's story to get out there and people to tell their story and present it. And the product will speak for itself. But before the product can even speak for itself, 
people have got to tell their story because people are tied to what the entrepreneur goes through and, and mm-hmm. what the product is. And it needs to, you know, the benefit of being on TV is really so people can hear your story or on a podcast like this. So people can hear your story and, mm-hmm. and, and do that and, and move forward. So, you know, and we talk about it, um, a little bit and we've mentioned co-packers before and Deborah, it's up to you if you want to talk about it, but I sort of, we haven't actually ever really dive dove in, into it or I don't even know the proper term. Um, <laughs> my English language is slipping me right now. And, um, but you know, is it something we can discuss the co-packer? I know Deborah Micus and I are obviously part of that group, but I think it'd be fun to talk about it between you and John about that relationship and, and how you guys have had it. I hope we've been successful as I bring this up, but it's, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, is that, you know, how do you feel about co-packaging and, and how is it going? And, and please be honest. I just, I want to try to share with the audience because we get people that love co-packaging. We get people who are scared to do it because, um, you know, they want to control the product. So, I mean, there's a lot of different methods. But so how did you decide to go? Oh, we'll start with one question since I threw out a broad topic. But how did you decide to go to co-packaging in the first place? Well, I wanted to be able to um, not wear all the hats. Um, I wanted to be able to um, have somebody to take care of that for me. Because there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, pr- producing your product, a lot. And I've learned a lot in my experience with um, food service partners who are exactly that partners. You guys did an awesome job. I would have not been able to have the success on QVC and the follow-through with shipping out to the customers as I would have, but not for working with them. And, and, and for me, it was, it was my first time. Like, everything's my first time because the first time, you know, this arena. But um, it, it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, they've got things down to a science of, you know, reproducing your, 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 um, your recipe um, and even when we had, you know, some mistakes and errors, man, they were right there. So we can fix this, no problem. So the working relationship is beautiful. Um, I mean, beautiful, just the communication, uh, the execution, everything that was needed to get me, you know, to be successful um, on QVC. A lot of it had to do with, you know, everything that they did, you know, Matt. Foxworthy, John Harrington, John Letzko, all of those guys, um, Rocky, um, the executive chef, were all a part of a team. And I, and I got to tell you, um, they got a customer for life. <laughs> and in fact, um, I'm, out, I'm out finding other customers with them. <laughs> um, so so um, working with the co-packer is definitely, I was fortunate to, to be introduced to them. But, you know, I've heard of nightmares and, you know, problems. But I think, I guess, you just do your due diligence. You know, you go down and you talk with people. You meet with them. Look at their location. See what they do. And um, and see, you know, you know what, what would they do to go above and beyond to help you. Um, I, I like uh, you guys because I feel as though you believe in me. You believe in my product. You believe in me. You believe in what I want to do. And we all, and, and you want to be in a win-win situation. Um, you'll find that you might run into co-packers who do not care about your product. They don't care about nothing but their bottom line, and um, you know they could care less. But that's not what you get when, I, when you work with FSP at all. You get a true partner. 
Well, and I appreciate you saying that. And, and John, I want you to chime in, but I think one of the things that we found working with you, Deborah, is we learned a lot as well. And, you know, it taking nine months to get on QVC and, and taking our time with you and making sure we, you know, what we do with every customer is really just not trying to rush and making sure that mm-hmm. we understand what it is that the customer wants or the, you know, because from a co-packing standpoint, we could try to produce anything and and being the salesperson that I am you want to say yes to everything but the truth is is you really got to spend time getting to know each other and I say this all the time it's something I learned from growing up on a horse farm is that trust has to be earned both ways it's not something that's just given because it should be given and and what's happened and and John I I want to hear you, you know your communication on this as well but I think it's just I mean, we've had a great relationship with Infusion Blends. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have Deborah on the podcast. And we normally don't talk about FSP on the food or on the podcast because we try not to talk about ourselves too much. But I really think that we've had such a successful relationship that there's so much to learn that if there's people, other people out there looking for co-packagers, obviously come talk to FSP. I'll plug ourselves. But... But the thing is, is you want to have relationships with people that believe in the same things you do and believe in, in you. And just so everyone knows, FSP doesn't co-package everything. But so there's a lot of other places to go out there and look. But I think when you're looking for someone, I think don't try to rush into it. Take your time, as Deborah said, and really get to know the people you're working with. Because I still think that relationships are so important no matter what business we're in. And and to your point, Deborah, I think that the relationships are more important than the money. The money will come with good relationships. I feel like if the priority and doing the right thing and being a good person and being honest, you know, and then the money comes along with it. And the QVC experience, I mean, for us was just amazing. And working with you, I mean, you're a stellar entrepreneur. I'm just so I might say so. And what you're doing with butters and and marketing and stuff like that, it's hugely impressive. So we really do believe in you for sure. Thank you. Yep. And it shows. And, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just very, very excited. You know, I was really excited when, when when John said that he wanted to come up to QVC with me. And I'm like, really? You could do that? And that was pretty cool, you know. And, and he was lucky to get back in the green room. I look up and there he is. <laughs> you know, that was really great, you know, for him to travel. I mean, that was not, you know, something he had to do. But I'm glad that he did, you know. And, you know, that really showed me that, you know, we're partners in this and, you know, this is just not, you know, a transactional relationship. And um, and, 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 and the, the quality of what you guys do is just awesome. It's awesome. You know, I've learned things from you. And you've made my product even better. So it's, 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 it's a good relationship, a good company. And like I said, I was fortunate to, to, to you know, meet you all. Yeah, and I actually, I still remember it was from the Flavor of Georgia contest. I believe two years ago now in 2017, I was there and uh, Demario Presley introduced us. I believe that's how it all started. Mm -hmm. So it's been about two years of courting and getting to know each other and production and trial and error and things like that and and patience on, on all of our parts because it's just making a great product and making sure that we replicate your product the way you want it and the way the consumers will enjoy it is is so important um mm-hmm. and, again, and suggesting uh, new ways to do things too that i didn't even think of that bettered my product or 
better the production. So all of it, the whole package. And John, I'm sorry, I sort of interrupted you. What were you going to say? That's what I was just going to say um, that, you know, what Deborah had said about, you know, going out and visiting, you know, if you're looking at a co-packer or something like that, going out and seeing the facility and, and sitting with the people. And I think that's very important, you know, and Deborah and I had our first meeting in, in our Virginia facility, probably about, well, when we set up, what, probably maybe in July or August of last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it takes about six months or so, I feel, for to properly onboard a customer and bring a, a new relationship to the table. That's going to be successful for both parties because there's a lot of learning involved. Um, you know, this infused, or there's nothing else like it out there. So to take it from what, what she was doing to a larger scale, it takes time. It takes research. Um, we had to, you know, we have to look at equipment. We have to look at efficiencies. We have to look at uh, getting the the ingredients in that kind of quantity where they weren't being procured that way before. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, and I think the the work on both sides, you know, from Deborah and from our team at FSP is is what makes that all possible. So it's it, it is a partnership. You have to work together, and you have to do it on the right kind of timeline. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And uh, I'm excited to see what flavors are next for QVC and and what the adventures are. And I believe that just because by being on QVC, your brand's going to grow. And it's just amazing to watch. I mean, it's just... And the hard work you've put in, Deborah, to build a brand and, and take the time on the packaging and, you know, sticking true to your heart with the glass containers and uh, our jars. And it's just so amazing what has happened by you sticking true to what you believe in and following your heart and your dreams i really it's just a beautiful thing and i feel like qvc to some people that would be the pinnacle of of what's going on but i feel like because of qvc and where you've come and everything we've been forced to learn i mean as a production company we've been forced to learn things and which is beautiful i love learning i think we should all always continue to learn it's one of the reason we do the podcast again is to continue to learn for deborah micus and i and and uh and for other entrepreneurs to continue to learn from each other but i think it's so amazing what you're doing and and such a great representation of georgia and and what's going on and then just of food entrepreneurs in general just your whole mindset and everything so i want to give props to that for sure um but i want to start to sort of talk about next topics which is you know where where's the future and where are your dreams uh, going to take you, Deborah? And we've talked about, you know, introduction of new flavors, but, and, and sort of redoing a website, but, you know, what are your hopes and dreams for the company? You know, what do you have goals and what are they? And are they five years or 10 years sort of just to give you an idea of what we're asking? Well, um, really I see um, infusion blends as um, the first step to a, a much bigger picture. Um, I would like to be that person who can help other, you know, other small businesses bring their product to market. Um, along my way, I've made a lot of, you know, connections, um, co-packaging companies, access to QVC, HSN, um, and, and other areas to be able to help get that product out, you know, and um, be that be that intermediate person to be able to. To, to do that, um, and 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 I and I'd love to be able to do that. At first, I thought I wanted to have my own manufacturing plant, but that's not 
no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that uh, I, I'll let you know FSP handle that stuff. <laughs> so, since you know you guys are you know centrally located and soon to be in Georgia, um, it, and, and to have that entity to, to do that and concentrate what I what I know and do well, and that's sales and marketing, and you know connecting you know people to to resources. Um, that's where that's where I want I, I'm going to see an umbrella. Uh, I, I currently um, do private label, so if there's custom blends that say a caterer or a chef or a restaurant wants to do we can do them on a larger scale um like in gallon pails things like that and do just private labels say for hotels um to be able to do that so it becomes whereas i'm not just marketing and promoting my products but other products too I think that's, um, and it's funny you say that because I once thought of wanting to be a consultant and do exactly in the marketing and the sales side. And I'm like, oh no, like I'll just stick to the production, the procurement and the logistics and now this podcast, because I mean, you're right. The maintaining those relationships and being on the sales and marketing side is enormous. So uh, one, I would just like to say that I think the the partnership that we have obviously has a lot of potential to grow in that way as we meet mm-hmm. more customers and and do more co-packaging that people are going to need a resource like you, Deborah. So um, how do people get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you like this uh, in that capacity? Oh, they could reach me at Deborah. I'm oh, sorry. No, no. Enjoy Infusion Blend at Gmail. And uh, just so everyone knows in the audience, actually, I've never said this, is both Deborah's on the podcast right now are D-E-B-O-R-A-H spelling of Deborah. So, or as some some people say to Deborah Micus, when we're in a meeting, you mean it's Deborah? Mm -hmm. No, it's still Deborah, but it's just spelled that way. It's still Deborah, not Deborah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Yep. So yeah, just enjoy infusion blends at Gmail. And I love that you're doing that because I think you have so many things that we've talked about and I've heard through John and, and we've talked about all the time that so much intelligence and, and relationship and knowledge in in sales and marketing and, and with what you've gone through with infusion blends, it's so amazing. And to 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 want to give that back and to want to help other people and consult in that way and and help them benefit, I think is awesome. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yep, it's a, it'll be it's my passion that it'll be you know what I'm going to be striving for over the next years. <laughs> okay, so now the the stumper. I usually everyone gets a little stumped on this question, but you know I send it out in the prep questions, but I still everyone has to think about it for a while. If you could go back, um, actually, let me ask this first. When did you start Infusion Blends? Um, I officially, I mean, I started doing, you know, just, you know, production and, you know, development in early 2016, but I officially launched the company and sold to the public October 1st, 2016. Well, I mean, so that's incredible, right? Two and a half years later, you were on QVC. I mean, that's a, that's amazing for a food company to, to grow that quickly. And I think people are like, wow, that took a long time. The reality is sometimes it takes 
five to 10 years at least, you know, at least from yeah. what we've seen. And so congratulations. That's one hell of an accomplishment for sure. Hey, it's a lot of prayer in God, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot without a lot of tears either. So, but, you know, yeah, you know, that's, that's how you make it, man. Yeah. And actually now I have m- multiple questions because the, but I want to say this first before I ask the next question is, um, I think it's amazing because, and 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 this and it's this is that while QVC was awesome, it was a win for sure. Let's put it on the win category. But it was a win yesterday, and for you, you're still trying to move forward. You're not taking that as okay. I'm at my pinnacle. You're wanting to continue to grow and give back and do all the things. And I think that's such an amazing thing as an entrepreneur. And people don't realize that how many people get complacent once they have a victory or, or have something good happen to them as business people. And, but what you're doing is you're like, okay, I'm going to continue moving forward. And, you know, I just saw an email today, you know, the next batch of production is going out the door for, for you guys to meet orders. And it's an awesome thing to see that happening and you continue to keep fighting every day. So I want to just say that as a statement, but then my question is this, you mentioned some of the hardships that you've had and frustrations and and days of tears. I mean, you know, what were some of those frustrations and, and, you know, how did you pick yourself back up and keep going? Well, you know, the, the one thing that I find that I have found in my recent experiences, do you do diligence on the people that you bring into your inner circle? that you um, are going to be working with with your company. That is so important to know who it is that you're sharing information or you're bringing into, you know, to, to, to assist you or for you to work with. That is so important because a lot of times, um, you know, you really don't realize um, it's almost like a marriage when you decide to work with somebody and you need to make sure that that, that, that works. And, you know, you don't always have the years to put into to, to developing that, you know, you pretty much quickly have to make decisions. But do your due diligence on the on the people that you're um, engaging in business with. And um, and I know for a lot of startups, the very hardest thing to do is to um, engage um, legal counsel. But whatever you do, whatever you can do, however you can do it, make sure that you have um, legal counsel to represent you and to look out for your best interest. Um, it, it alleviates a lot of headaches. Um, sometimes you got to make a decision and you don't have it just because you're, you're new and trying to start out. But just always remember that, you know, nothing's forever and you can always go back and fix it, you know. <laughs> and um, you just got to just stay focused and keep going, especially if you know you have a really good product and you truly believe in it. You know, nothing can stop you. Okay, and now the final stumping question. If you could go back to two and a half years ago and tell yourself something that you know now that you wish you knew then, uh, what would they be? If I went back just just to two years ago? Yeah, or maybe even longer, however long you want. Um, I, I, I definitely would, would tell myself to, um, to, to slow down and, and take your time. Um, everything doesn't have to happen in a day. And that's, uh, that's just for a personal, like, you know, my personality, because I'm like, just that's like this A type person. I like, just like, let's go, let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but sometimes you just really need to just sit down and let things kind of 
do on their own before you jump in and do everything. Um, you, you'll end up, you know, biting off more than you can chew, and you you almost can destroy yourself and and your really good product and your good company. But I would have to say definitely slow down on decision making, and making sure that you have an, um, the right set of people around you that can advise you. And I love that. And Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to to be on the podcast and share with everyone your story. And I definitely like one of the things we're doing on here is making sure we continue to tell your story. So I'd love to have you back on here in eight to 10 months and continue to tell your journey and hopefully another QVC episode and things like that and see where, where everything's gone and where you've uh, journeyed from here until then, if if that's okay with you. That's wonderful. I appreciate it. and would love to. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you're welcome. And just so everyone knows on the podcast, thank you for listening in to the audience. Thank you guys for joining us and being so supportive over time. We're in over 36 countries now being downloaded and streamed. It's quite amazing. And uh, I thank everyone who's listening in. Please continue to share it and continue to pass it along, particularly the food, beverage, and nutrition entrepreneurs you guys know because we're trying to get out there and educate people on real life and not just something you can learn in a classroom, but actually what people are experiencing. So thank you again for everyone who's listening in. If you're interested in being on the podcast, you can reach me at justin at thefoodentrepreneurs.com. And this is Justin, the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. You can also reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. And that's B as in boy, I-double-Z-A-double-R-O, in case anyone's looking for me out there. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Have a great day. 